Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. Welcome. This is Sandy Weiner, and I am the founder and chief love officer at LastFirstDate.com. Thank you for joining me here today at Last First Date Radio. We are an acclaimed show about achieving healthy, off-the-charts love in the second half of life. So whether you are married, single, in a long-term relationship, we are here to help you have the healthiest, most robust relationships. And I have a fantastic guest coming up for you today. I'm going to be speaking with therapist and author Dr. Laura Lewis about how to fight fair, three proven strategies to end an argument. Boy, people really hate having conflict, don't they? And I would say that in the online dating world, one of the most common things that you see is drama-free relationships. I don't want drama. Men say that so often. And in my humble opinion, I think that drama in this case relates to people who do not communicate well. And so what happens is people's feelings get hurt. They don't know how to say what they need to say. They bottle it up and then they implode. They are nasty. And the argument is not at all respectful and kind in the way that it can be. So I'm very excited to talk to Dr. Laura Lewis about how to end an argument in a in a kind, compassionate way. Um, in just a few words, I want to talk about uh, that I am a dating coach, and one of the things that I see so often is that women who I work with do not value themselves in the way that they do in the rest of their lives. Because I really know in my heart that when you are a woman of value, you attract your best partner. And being a woman of value means a lot of things. It means being able to communicate clearly and compassionately. It means knowing your boundaries, knowing who you are and how you want to set boundaries so that people don't step on the values that are really crucial and important to you. There are so many ways that we need to stand for our own values so that people know how to treat us because we treat we teach people how to treat us in the way that we respond to what they say and do. Um, and I just want everyone to know that if you haven't yet grabbed a copy of my free guide, I have outlined the top three mistakes that midlife daters make and how you can turn them around so that you can find love. And often we make mistakes and we are so unaware that we're even making them because we're too close to the issue. I mean, I make mistakes too, and I'm a dating coach with a lot of great information in my head about how to date with dignity and self-respect. And sometimes 
I am not sure. So I check in with a coach, um, which is something I did last night, actually. So if you are sabotaging your dating process by making these mistakes, um, why don't you grab a copy so that you can stop making the mistakes. You can take action. You can turn things around, and you'll be able to find your true love. And this is actually for men or women, even though I normally work with women only. Um, This guide is for men or women. And you can grab a copy at lastfirstdate.com, right on the homepage of my website, lastfirstdate.com. You can sign up, and you'll also be getting... Lots of other tips besides those three. You're going to get 11 tips. You can unsubscribe at any time, but I don't think you're going to want to because each day there's a little hint about what's coming up the next day. And they're simple, simple tips that are easy to implement and they are highly impactful. So please grab a copy at lastfirstdate.com. I also want to invite you to my Facebook group. This is a group that's growing and growing and growing. We have about 510 members right now. It is for women over 40 who are single. And we are a supportive, positive group for helping people find their last first date. So you come there with your questions, your comments, People support each other through the ups and downs of dating. It's so important to get the right kind of support when you're going through the dating process. So please, please join us. It's called Your Last First Date, and it's on Facebook. So just do a search on Facebook and ask to join, and I will approve you. All right, so now I am going to introduce our guest, Dr. Laura Lois. Dr. Lewis has over 10 years of experience in helping distant couples heal after infidelity. She helps them build trust, cultivate intimacy, and enhance communication. Her therapeutic approach has been influenced through worldwide training in Brazil, Mexico, London, and Haiti. How cool is that? She has conducted hundreds of seminars transforming relationships all over the world. She's affectionately called the marriage architect. Her book, Marital Peace, is a valuable resource and it's intended to support couples through the challenges of marriage. So join us now to learn how to fight fair, three strategies to help win and an argument. Welcome to the show, Laura. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited You're to welcome. be here. It's really noisy where you are. It got noisy again. Is it possible for you to find a, a little bit of a quieter spot? Sure. Feels like you're in a cafeteria. Sure, I'll just Okay, so while you're finding some more quiet, I'm going to ask you my first question, and that is, is conflict always a bad thing in a relationship? I would say no. Conflict can reveal things that need to change in a relationship, and it's not until a couple actually has the conflict that that awareness happens. Okay, so it's it's knowing that there's awareness, so that's not a bad thing, but it has no. to be dealt with. 
it ha- that's the key. It has to be dealt with and dealt with in an effective way. And so there's certain ways that couples can have conflict where it erupts and it doesn't go well, and certain ways that couples can have conflict and it actually helps the relationship. Mm-hmm. Right, so when it's dealt with the right way, it can help a relationship. That's right. Yeah. So what I've seen is a lot of times when there's conflict, the one of the partners doesn't want to talk about it, right? They just want to shut you out, make believe it didn't happen. It just so let's not go there. Let's not go there. So <laughs> so what do you do with somebody who's like, you know, stonewalling, just shutting you out, saying, you know, I don't want to talk about that. You touched on a very important point is that sometimes one person will shut down. Typically we see some gender differences associated with this where we tend to see that men are more likely to stonewall from the research. And so people shut down for different reasons. Sometimes people shut down because they start to feel flooded. And by flooded, I mean their heart rate starts to raise internally, their their thoughts are just racing, and so at that point, it's really not a good time to have a conversation when one person is starting to feel flooded, and so if that's the reason for the stonewalling, then we really do encourage the, the couple to take a break, because at that point, oftentimes people say things they don't mean when they're flooded. Right. So you might say something you're going to regret, Um and so you take a break. But what? So how would you do that? Because a lot of times people just go, okay, fine, we're not going to talk about it now, and they never get back to it. So how would you suggest that they revisit? So there's some specific ways when I'm working with, when I'm counseling couples, there's a specific way that I ask for the person that is flooded to take a break. So they don't just say, hey, I am fed up, I'm tired of this, and walk out the door. But they acknowledge, you know, I'm starting to feel flooded. I'm starting to feel like this um, this conversation is going in a different direction. Would it be okay if we take a break? And so they're asking for permission from their mate to understand where they're feeling at that point. And then for the person who is flooded, it's incumbent upon that person to be the one to come back and address the issue. So it's not that issues are being suppressed and never addressed, but within, usually it takes about 20 minutes for one person to start to calm down if they start, if they're practicing relaxation techniques like deep breathing or taking a walk, but not over 24 hours. I ask that couples do not take over 24 hours before they come back and address the issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually just heard that women and men have a little bit of a different calming time, that men calm down a little faster than women. Um, Mm -hmm. Somebody said it was like 20 minutes for men and 30 minutes for women, something like that. Yes. So for women, women, as women, we have lots of different coping skills, and oftentimes one of our coping skills is to talk with other people. We're very relational in nature. And so by that, there are lots of different, so moms, sisters, friends, lots of different people that we have in our life that we will emote to. And it's 
sort of natural for women to emote in this way. But for men to talk to another man about something that he's struggling with, in our society that's considered a little bit taboo. And so for, for men, they don't have as many coping skills in the, in the same way as we do as women. Mm-hmm. So because women have the coping skills, they're able to process in a much exactly. much more effective way. You got it. Yeah. So by the time they come back together, they may have already processed, um, which I think is such a gift as a woman. I not only am I a coach, but I have fabulous friends who I know that I can talk to. And last night I was dealing with a with an issue of whether to meet somebody who lived out of town um, who I was not feeling that I should have a date with him. It was going to be a whole day affair, and I was just feeling so torn. And she named it in five seconds. What I already knew, she was able to name it and just go, okay, big red flag, dump him, no, don't go out with it. And it was like, okay, thank you. Yeah, so it's so great to have somebody to talk to who's, who's got sound advice, not just anybody, because there are people who are going to advise you incorrectly, like, you know, in, in especially in marital conflict. Um, so what about that? Like, what happens, and then I know it might be, it's getting a little hard to hear you again. Um, okay. So what yeah. I would advise for for people talking to other people about their relationship, um, I'm, I'm a, I have people be a little bit cautious with that. So, for example, instead of talking to, um, like, a family member about some of the deeper issues in their relationship, I, I really have the couples that I work with be very cautious about that. So, for example, say, for example, the woman is married or in a deep relationship, and then she starts to tell her mother what's happening in her relationship. Now, her mom is not likely to forget that. Now, they come and they work on things and counseling, and then it's been months from now, and then it's Thanksgiving, and they go to mom's house. Now, oftentimes, the the parent is going to struggle with being objective in that situation. And so in situations where they're dealing with a core issue as a couple, I really encourage for them not to go into some of the deeper issues with, with family members. Mhm. Good advice. <laughs> One thing I learned when my daughter got married is to always push her back into the relationship to work it out with her husband and to not take sides. Such an important thing to remember. It's like this is your issue. We're not going to triangulate here. Work it out. I know you can do it. Um, and if you can't, go for therapy, you know, really figure it out with somebody who can really help you. Um, okay, so in the book, Marital Peace, that you wrote, you talk about unrealistic expectations, and that's one of my favorite topics. So how do you think unrealistic expectations can cause conflict between couples? Good question. So it's that each person up for disappointment. And so oftentimes in committed relationships, we put everything that we want and need on our mates. We look to our mates to make us happy. 
when we're not happy, we say, well, you're not making me happy. We, and so that is setting up the person for failure. You know, we have to come to relationships complete and whole. But sometimes we look for the other person to complete us. And, and that really can put a deep strain on a relationship. Yeah. So how could somebody, what are some tips for them to become complete? So some tips is to really understand what are some of the core issues that you already bring to the relationship. So, for example, if I know that naturally I'm a sensitive person, then I'm not going to set my mate up for just falling in, in the hole by asking something that I know I'm going to be sensitive about, right? Um, So it's Mm -hmm. understanding, well, what are some of the issues that I already bring that have been a part of my past history? So say, for example, you have been married several times, and all of the marriages ended because of a certain issue. Um, Say, for example, substance abuse, or something that has been a consistent problem. I work with a lot of couples who have dealt with things like sexual abuse, and sometimes we're not necessarily aware of what our, how our experiences show up for us. And so having insight and increasing awareness as to, okay, I dealt with this issue in my first marriage, I dealt with this issue in my second marriage, maybe this is something that I need to develop some insight around, coping skills around. And so that helps so that all of the, the work and the pressure isn't put on the relationship. And that's also where counseling comes in. Yeah, it is so noisy where you are, Laura. Um, it's, okay. it's getting really hard to hear you. I don't know if you can possibly move to someplace quieter. Okay. Hello? Okay. Can you hear me okay now? So much better. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. So... Let's talk about resolving conflict. So what is the best way to resolve conflict with your partner? Okay, so resolving conflict, one of the things that you want to keep in mind is um, using I statement. The I statement is I feel and using an emotional word after that. So I feel sad, for example, when this specific thing happens. Some of the issues that couples have is when they're in conflict, they bring in a whole kitchen sink. They bring up things that happened in the past. And so I encourage couples to really stay focused when they're using the I statement. So, for example, I feel disappointed when I see the dishes in the kitchen sink and I just wash dishes, um, what would really help me, so then they make a specific request, is once a week you could wash the dishes. So it's, they're using an I statement, they're also using a feeling word, and they're not putting everything on their mate. Mm-hmm. Right, so, um, so you said a couple things. One is keep it to one issue at a time. Um, use I statements 
tell how you felt when it happened. Be specific about what happened. And then the last thing you said was to brainstorm ways to do it differently next time. Correct? Correct. You got it. Okay. So what happens, what I see, is that people say, I feel that you did this, Mm -mm. instead of saying a feeling. (laughs) It's really funny. I I was talking to a social worker who, you know, she was trained in social work. She's been working in the field her whole life. And when she learned iMessages, she learned it like what I just said. I feel you did this, and I wish you would have done this. And I'm like, no wonder you've been having fights with your kids. (laughs) Your kids are like, what the heck? Um, So, you know, what happens is we're not clear. We're telling somebody Mm -hmm. what they need to do and why they're wrong instead of saying Mm -hmm. how you feel, which is such a different focus. And nobody can make your feelings wrong. They're your feelings. Mm -hmm. So... You know, and when you bring history in, boy, does that just make somebody feel like, well, I'm not going to even bother because you're, you know, you're bringing my entire history. So you, you bet you obviously think that nothing will change. Um, So, yeah, so that's an important thing. Um, So let's let's talk about um, how to communicate to be heard. Um, What are some ways that couples can do this? So communicating to be heard, one of the things that I encourage people to do is acknowledge what happened. So acknowledgement and change is criticism. And something about the person's willingness, really the impact of what's happened that really opens up the space for effective communication to take place. So, for example, a person saying, I'm, I'm sorry I hurt you. I know this has had a huge impact on your ability to trust me. So I'm, I'm acknowledging that there's something that I did that has had an impact on our relationship. That helps the person feel a bit validated, which then mm-hmm. makes them more open to hearing their mate. So you're saying when you acknowledge what happened and you take responsibility, um, Mm -hmm. then it shows that you're willing to change and you're respecting the other person? Mm -hmm. The other person then starts to feel validated. And so we enter into an open safe space now. What was that? Open what? Open space. And when I say okay. safe, I don't mean safe like someone's going to be physically harmed, but safe in terms of the emotional safety in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I see that couples are in conflict and they're saying, well, you always do this and you never mm-hmm. do that. And so there's certain words that are trigger words, like always and never. And so when I'm working with couples, counseling couples in my office, and I hear these trigger words, I'll pause them right there in the moment because it tends to trigger defensiveness, which is not what you want when you're trying to address a core issue in the relationship. So we establish certain boundaries. Mhm. Right. So no, don't use always and never. That's that's very similar to bringing up history. Um, 
you know, when you bring up 10 issues, it's like the same kind of thing. It it puts people on the defensive. I think what happens so much in arguments that really doesn't work is they're not about connection. They're really about, I want to dump the issue on your lap and walk away. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. The person wants to feel like they've unloaded. And so a lot mm-hmm. of times by unloading is letting the other person know and have it. And that can create further tension. And so for effective communication to take place, both people have to be willing to say, you know, let me hear you. Let me really take in what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's a willingness to let the other person in. Um, yeah, really good tips. So, um, so let's just review the three proven strategies, since that was what we were talking about today. So, if mm-hmm. you can review that for us. Okay. So the first thing is. Um, Well, the last thing we talked about was acknowledgement and change silences criticism. And so I like to start there with having the person really acknowledge what what they have said or what they have done that has brought up this conflict in the very beginning. And then the next thing that I want to do is I will have couples really be clear about what are – what are the boundaries in their relationship? And so when I say boundaries, I mean below the bell comments where they're bringing up other issues, where they're getting off the focus of the the subject at hand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And so it's acknowledgement and change, establishing boundaries, And then the last one is avoiding the four horsemen. Now, we started to get into some of them, which is stonewalling. So there's a researcher by the name of John Gottman who identified that there are four things that couples do that can lead to divorce. And so stonewalling is one of them defensiveness, contempt, and criticism. And so that's Mm -hmm. the last thing that I would have couples do to uh, how to end the fight and then also avoid further disruption with the conflict. So we talked about stonewalling, and defensiveness is when the person is unwilling to take responsibility for the the problems or the, the issues that have been brought up. Contempt is like when a person rolls their eyes or they can be contemptuous in in their tone of voice. So, for example, this again, that's contempt. And then Mm -hmm. criticism is when the person is attacking their mate. So they're not focused on the issue. They're focused on their, their their partner's personality. So, for example, you are a lazy person. That would be an example. Mhm. Yeah, I love Gottman's work. It's it was one of the first eye openers for me after my divorce, and I was like, "Oh my God! No wonder we did not get along." <laughs> it's it's just yeah. he really puts it out there in such a clear way, and and again, if you look at stonewalling, defensiveness, criticism, and contempt, they are all one-sided. They are all directed Mm -hmm. at the other person. They are not connective. 
And um, and I also love that he talks about relationship bids, about, you know, sending out a bid. And then whether a person accepts the bid or rejects the bid or does nothing really says a lot about the relationship. So, yeah, mm-hmm. there's so much great material there. I highly recommend his books. Um, yeah. Uh, so this has been really great. I really appreciate you coming on Last First Date Radio today, Dr. Lois. And if you can let people know how they can find you and how they can purchase your book, please. Okay, so people can go to my website, and that is giftedcounseling.com. And if they click on the tab books, they can order a book at giftedcounseling.com. Okay, so giftedcounseling.com. Awesome. Well, thank you. All right, well, thank Uh, you. Yeah, thanks for helping people resolve conflict one step at a time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Um, And thank you all for listening today, and I hope you go on your last first date very soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.